Good evening and welcome to the Spirit and Life Bible Study. My name is Jonathan. Our reader is Cara tonight. And our topic tonight is newness of life. We're thinking about the new year that's coming in. It interests me that uh, dictionaries struggle to try to define life, uh, but it's sort of a slippery thing to try to define. You know, it's that which isn't there anymore when something is dead. You know, they, they don't really know what to say about it. Uh, but Swedenborg has some very interesting definitions of life that have to do with the way that passion and understanding come down into our deeds and words. That whole package is sort of our life. And so newness of life has to do with repentance. It's a great time of year to practice your repentance and so on. And so I invite you to come on board and have that adventure with us tonight, if you would. Can I invite you to join me in an opening prayer? Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are the one God of heaven and earth. We thank you for bowing the heavens and coming down into this world, Lord. We pray that you open our minds and hearts to hear your message, to understand who you are and how you would have us convey your love and understanding into this world. Amen. Sending out love to those of you getting this online and those of you hearing the audio and so on. Friends far and near, and Happy New Year to everybody. Newness of life. It's interesting that uh, the phrase newness of life only occurs once in Scripture. Why don't we go look at that to begin with? That is in the Romans, which is the first of the mighty epistles in the New Testament, right after Acts, to the right of the Acts. And I want to go to Romans chapter 6. Paul is in the midst of a lengthy disposition. When is he not? And uh, he's talking about the relationship of sin and grace. So let's just pick up right there in the first verse. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Hmm. See, this is a question that comes up in Christianity sometimes. I mean, if there's all this grace, why don't we just not worry about it and keep sinning because we'll be fine, right? What's his answer? Certainly not. Or in the grand language of the old King James, God forbid. Mm. Yes. Go on. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Isn't that, that that's very interesting that, that it, it, Paul loves to play with language in, in fun ways. And he says, how shall we who are dead to sin? We, you know, we're not oh. living in it anymore. We're dead to it. So how would we live in it anymore. And then it talks about baptism. Go on. Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Very strange language. The idea of being baptized into Jesus's death. What does that mean? Go on. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. Okay, this has to be non-literal. You know, I mean, we haven't been physically buried. Uh, so it's speaking metaphorically. Uh-huh. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Mm. So you see the verb that's used with newness of life is to walk. 
And I imagine you're familiar, good friends, with the fact that walking in Scripture means the way that we live our lives. There's many, many passages that back that up. So that we should walk in newness of life. But what is this walking in newness of life? What is it compared to? Can you read that fourth verse again? That's complicated. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That so we were buried with Jesus. So Jesus was buried and then he was resurrected. That's the comparison that he's making somehow, right? So what does it say? That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a newness of life. Okay, so that's not talking about a tweak. Like the difference between dead and resurrected in glory is rather a striking difference, is it not? That as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk. It's weird that it would compare that with walking, but that we also should walk in newness of life. There's something in the Christian promise that we're going to be able to walk in a kind of newness of life that is as striking and new as what happened to the Lord when he was physically dead and then he was resurrected in glory. Uh, that's a striking passage. And so we walk in newness of life. So it's not as simple as just saying, well, the calendar turns and the days and the seasons go by. So it's new in some sense or another. Uh, this is talking about something ma massively new. Is it not to, to liken it to the resurrection, to walk in newness of life? This is something very, very different, a very condition, different condition than we were in before. And so let's talk a little bit about life. I mentioned it in the opener there. Here's a little graphic that I got. Uh, you're not missing much if you're only getting the audio of this. There's just a dotted line in the middle of the page. And at the top, I've got the words passion and understanding, passion in red and understanding in blue. And then below that, deeds and words, deeds in green and words in black. It's just fun to play with the colors and so on. But the idea is that what's at the top, the passion, the understanding, is what lies within us. That's what we call the heart and the mind, various different terms for that. Uh, often we concentrate in New Year's resolutions, do we not, on the outside, right we're going to lose weight yet again, or we're, you know, we're going to do something in the new year. Uh, we'll change our deeds, this is especially where we focus, I think, on changing our deeds. Uh, Swedenborg says, and it seems kind of obvious in a way when he says it, that there's not a single thing. We sort of have this idea, do we not, friends, um, that we have a mind, but then sometimes our body just does stuff without even checking with our mind. You know, like your mind says, oh, no, thank you. And then your hand reaches out and grabs it <laughs> at a Christmas party. You know, get the stuff out of the bowl that you shouldn't be eating or whatever it is. Uh, uh, so you might think, well, are we 50% flesh and we're 50% spirit? You know, we're 50% mind, 50% body. And so our body does certain things and so on. Swedenborg says 
the body is mere obedience. It, it's, it's, all it does is follow instructions. Everything is from our spirit. There are multiple layers within our spirit. But uh, it's interesting to think about because things that we may think of as being just our flesh are actually going to survive physical death because they're, they're our spirit. Uh, they just activate our flesh, and so our flesh does stuff. And it's complex in there and everything. But uh, so if you try to change your actions, right, or change the things that you say, Without changing the inside, isn't that like what Jesus says about the Pharisees, that they cleanse the outside of the cup and platter, but the inside are full of extortion and excess? Uh, Swedenborg says that everything out here comes from what's in here. And so what he means by our life, Scripture says we're judged by our life, does it not? You know, uh, And Swedenborg explains that it's all about how these things our passion and understanding come down into deeds and words. Now, there's a tricky relationship there, of course, right? I mean, you can do things that are hypocritical or polite or don't reflect the way that you feel on the inside, but they still come from a desire inside you to do that, right? Like you desire, I don't want you to find out how I really feel about this, so I will say this right now or something. That still comes from, from the inside. So it's not that these uh, are that other people can necessarily judge by our deeds and words exactly what's going on inside us, but uh, the Lord has the capability. In the book of Revelation, when it says only the Lamb could open the seals on the book, uh, that has to do with the fact that only the Lord can see what lies within our hearts and minds. Only the Lord has perfect understanding of what's going on in here. Uh, because there are so many different ways. You've probably seen Swedenborg write about this. There's so many different ways to do the same thing. You know, there's many different reasons that you could be taking the same action. And we get confused ourselves, do we not, about, you know, if someone said, well, why did you do that? Um, I don't know. I can make something up if you'd like me to. I, I really don't know. Why I, you know, we don't always know why why we do what we do. Uh, so there's a little bit of mystery in here about our, the, the level of what drives us in terms of our passions and our understanding that come down and manifest in our deeds and words. But it's important to understand that that whole thing is our life. Uh, Swedenborg says that what makes us human is the fact that we have a will and an intellect. And what he means by a will is not just the same thing uh, that animals have. He says that it differentiates us from animals. That animals certainly have drives, they have appetites, you know, uh, interests, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but what we have in our will is uh, values and an ability to choose which values we have. And we have an understanding so that we can reflect on ourselves, we can reflect on our behavior and decide to be different. And that differentiates us from, from animals. So what makes us human, what's the human life inside us is this passion and this understanding. But when it talks about walking in newness of life, it talks about these things coming down in a different way on the outside. So all that we're talking about is just completely revamping and resurrecting what drives our heart, what lies in our mind, 
what we do and what we say. That's all. Just walk in newness of life, right? It was a pleasure to be with you this evening. Thank you. No, no let's, um, you know, we need to read some scriptures about how do you do that? If we don't, if not even sure what's going on in here, how do you change? Wow, how do you change? Because we, we have, in some ways, more access to the outside. We can try as hard as the Dickens sometimes to get yourself to do something you don't want to do or not do something you do want to do and, and so on. There's quite a wrestling match can go on. But it's a tall order to say, well, we'll just have a new heart and a new mind and do new things and say new things. Okay, you know, that's all that's, all that's needed. Uh, let's read some scriptures about this. Oh, I want to start in Isaiah. Uh, so go to the middle of your Bible, if you will, and somewhere to the right there, you'll find Isaiah 65. These are various different sort of hints. They may not look related when we first see them, but these are sort of hints about what we're talking about here in walking in newness of life. Part of the reason we're having to look at a variety of different kinds of passages tonight is that, as I say, Romans 6 verse 4 is the only place in all of Scripture that the phrase newness of life occurs. It's interesting that it's not mentioned elsewhere in exactly those terms, but I think we can still get a peek at it by looking at other passages. So in 65 verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. Mm but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Okay, now scripture is kind of amazing because it has these layers of meaning. And one layer of meaning in here has to do with uh, what Swedenborg calls the, the churches, you know, and how one church replaces another. So the new heavens would be a new situation in the spiritual world, and the new earth would be a new situation down here. Um, and that's what the Lord is doing, and that's a grand thing that he's doing. But he also does that in us. And if you look at what's on the top of the chart of passion and understanding in ourselves, that's our, our heaven, isn't it? Uh, one answer that this scripture gives us for tonight is that we don't create a new heavens and a new earth. It's above our pay grade to completely give ourselves a heart and lung transplant and do, you know, like, like the whole deal. We can't do that. But the, the Lord says, Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered. What a beautiful thought that what used to be going on in our hearts and minds is just, we, we won't even remember about that. And that's how he creates Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people as a joy. Jerusalem meaning all those people who are, who are following the Lord. <clears throat> and the voice of weeping shall no more be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. Very beautiful prophecy. And look at chapter 66, verse 22, getting right toward the end of Isaiah. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. Mm, let's read that next verse just because it's <clears throat> kind of beautiful. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, 
and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Yes, so this is a new condition in which there'll be greater (coughs) worship of the Lord. (coughs) Again, new heavens and a new earth, and once they're set up, they're going to remain. So if the Lord gives us a new passion in our heart and a new understanding in our mind, new deeds and new words, they're going to stick around. We'll, we'll have those for a long time. Uh, another passage that came to mind is in Jeremiah. So turn to the right, Jeremiah chapter 31. Again, sort of a future prediction. If you remember, 3131, Jeremiah 3131 is a really beautiful passage here. Let's start there. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. Mm. (coughs) But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people." Okay, so the new covenant, if you study this closely, you'll see that the new covenant is not a new covenant. It's just a matter of whether it's being kept or not. What happened to the old covenant was that it got broken. But the new covenant, it doesn't say, I'll put a new set of laws in their minds and write it in their hearts. It just says, I'll put my law, as it hasn't changed, same law, but it put it in their minds, write it in their hearts, and I'll be their God and they will be my people. So you see... I'll put my law in their mind, understanding, and write it in their hearts. That would be the passion, having a having new passion. And I'll be their God and they'll be my people. And what will be the result of that in verse 34? No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. So this is about changing the nature of what's in our hearts and minds, right? And one result of it will be that everyone will know there'll be this tremendous knowledge of the Lord that wasn't there before. Now, this is a little bit mystical, but I still would like to read the next few verses. Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinances of the moon and the stars for a light by night who disturbs the sea and its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. Now, if you lift up your minds, you might be able to see that the sun has to do with the heart and the moon has to do with the mind and so on. Go on. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus says the Lord, if heaven above can be measured, and the foundations of the earth searched out beneath. Mm, Again, the language of heaven and earth. Go on. I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, says the Lord. Again, the sense is what's... what's, He's saying it can't can't happen. Like, this this is permanent. Uh, If you could undo my law, then you could take this apart, but it's not going to happen. Go on. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that the city shall be built for the Lord from the tower of Hananel to the corner gate. The surveyor's line shall again extend straight forward over the hill Gareb. Then it shall turn toward Goath. 
Yes, and this is all very mystical, and I have no idea what it means, but it <laughs> has to do with your heart and your mind. This is the new sort of territory the Lord will give us inwardly. Oh, that keep going yep and the whole valley of the dead bodies and of the ashes and all the fields as far as the brook kidron to the corner of the horse gate toward the east mm. shall be holy to the lord mm. it shall not be plucked up or thrown down any more forever that last little sentence is what i was mm -hmm. looking for there that again it's a sense of a permanent condition when the lord <clears throat> makes a change he makes it very very thoroughly uh, Swedenborg teaches that uh, when the Lord makes a change in us, He makes it on the inside and the outside at the same time. He does permanent work. We tend to go in and hack one, try to hack one part of ourselves out or something. We don't know what we're doing. And often our things don't last long. We just go back to where we were. Uh, but the Lord is able to make permanent changes. I had a... Um, an image in my mind a few years ago about this when I was pondering this in my own life. Uh, I, it, what I felt like I had said to the Lord was that I had, that my mind was this house of cards. And I said to the Lord, I really don't want this card to be in here anymore. I don't like this card. Can you get rid of this card? And the Lord goes and works over it, some other part of the whole thing. And I said, well, hello, you know. Uh, I, this this is the one that's causing me trouble right here. If you could get rid of this one, and he's just going, <whistles> and he's working away over here. And a few years later, I realized he has moved the entire structure so that that card is no longer central until it's finally sticking out the side. And then years later, he just goes, <whistles> and nothing falls down, <laughs> and he tosses it away. I think that's the Lord. The way that when he makes a change, it's thorough. You know, and that's why it sometimes takes him a little while, and it's partly because of our response time and everything. But when he changes it, it's going to stay change. Change. You know, he 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 does permanent change. That's part of what I see in those passages. Oh, look at this next passage. Turn to the right and go to the tiny, very depressing work of lamentations. Mm. Right at the end of Jeremiah, there, blink and you miss it. Just five chapters long. And I want to look at chapter 3 here. You see, there are two ways that I think that we... Two, two things that come up again and again in what Swedenborg says about how we go through this type of change. One is called repentance, which is where we go through a process of self-examination, acknowledging the evil that we see, praying for strength, and then turning to live what Swedenborg repeatedly calls a new life, walking in newness of life. You know, that's what repentance is all about, that you start to live without that thing in there. And um, so repentance is a very important process for us to go through, and that's something that we get to decide when to do it and how we do it and how often to do it and so on. That's up to us. That's a process that we initiate. There's another process that's called temptations. And that's where life catches up with you and throws you through a chipper and you don't even recognize yourself when you come out the other end. And uh, we don't have much choice about that. 
it feels when you're going through it like you don't have any choice about it. You're just in the chipper. But actually, uh, the Lord is doing good things to us through that. And that's another major way that He changes us. Uh, but since we don't have much of a choice about that, but it's just, it is important to know that some of the painful experiences that we go through in life is the Lord moving your deck of cards, you know, moving your house of cards uh, to get stuff freed up so we can take it out without damaging anything else. And here's someone who's kind of going through it a little bit here in chapter 3. From the top? From the top. Let's just take it from the top. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. Mm. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Mm. Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. He has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. Mm. What would it be like to age? Mm. Go on. <laughs> he has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. Mm. He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. Mm. Do you has, ever feel that way? Mm. Mm. He has made my chain heavy. It's mm. good, isn't it? Mm. Even when I cry and shout, he shuts out my prayer. This is temptation. That's what we're talking about. Go on. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. Mm. He has made my paths crooked. He has been to me a bear lying in wait, like a lion in ambush. Mm. He has turned aside my ways and torn me in pieces. Mm. He has made me desolate. Mm. He has bent his bow and set me up as a target for the arrow. He has caused the arrows of his quiver to pierce my loins. Mm. I have become the ridicule of all my people, their taunting song all day, all the day. Mm. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drink wormwood. And perhaps the worst thing of all. He has also broken my teeth with gravel and covered me with ashes. Isn't that fun? Breaking your teeth with gravel. Mm. Nasty. Go on. You have moved my soul far from peace. I do get that sense. Yes, dear reader. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I have forgotten prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. Mm. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. You have what? Therefore, I have hope. Even after the gravel teeth problem, you have hope? That's what Wow, you still have hope. That's good. 21 verses in and you've got hope. That's great. Go on. <laughs> Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, uh -huh. because His compassions fail not. Listen to this next verse. They are new every morning. What is that? What's new every morning? His compassions. His, yeah, and mercies, His mercies and compassions. Yeah, they're new every morning. Great every morning. is your faithfulness. New mm. mercies. Wow. So even when you're going through that grinding thing, the... the the Lord's mercies are new every morning. Mm. Go on. Uh, the, Lord, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul who seeks Him. Didn't sound that way a few verses ago, but, but I hear you. Go on. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Mm. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. Let him sit alone and keep silent, because God has laid it on him. 
Let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him. Isn't there some New Testament story about that? And be full of reproach. Mm. For the Lord will not cast off forever. Oh, he won't? Though he causes grief, yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. And here's a very important verse. For he does not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. Oh, so all that stuff we went through in all those earlier verses was not the Lord's will. He does not afflict us willingly. Mm. He just has something that he's got to do to try to affect on us. Uh, Keep going. Let's read a few more verses. To crush under one's feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the justice due a man before the face of the Most High, or subvert a man in his cause, the Lord does not approve. No, he doesn't. Who is he who speaks and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it? Mm. It is not from the mouth of the Most High that... Oh, is it not from the mouth of the Most High that woe and well-being proceed? Why should a living man complain, a man for the punishment of his sins? And then listen to this. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. I've thought that that would, you know, some, some people around here say a blessing before they eat. I thought that, that would be a nice blessing, wouldn't it? Sort of a repentance blessing. Read it again, 40 and 41. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Mm. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. Isn't that nice? It's got, got a nice, nice ring in there. Uh, so then he admits that, you know, we've transgressed and, and so on. Um, I was very interested in that mention of self-examination there. Self-examination, looking at the way we're living, turning back to the Lord, and lifting our hearts and hands to God in heaven, asking Him for help, praising Him, welcoming Him into our lives. Uh, So we kind of started with temptation at the beginning there, and then we got to repentance at the end, didn't we? Repentance has to do with self-examination, and that's where we got to. that's what we need to do. Let us examine, try our ways, turn again to the Lord, lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. Uh, is there anything else I want to say about that? Uh, I was very struck by that idea of the new mercies every morning. Every morning they're new. So even when you're going through these grinding experiences, there's new mercies in there, and the Lord is trying to answer our prayer and make us new. How do you walk in newness of life? It has to do with repentance, and it has to do with allowing yourself to undergo temptations uh, so the Lord can make us new. I think this comes out even more clearly in Ezekiel, so turn to the right, go to chapter 11. You have these wonderful, more familiar statements. Let's look at 11, verse 16 there. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, Although I have cast them far off among the Gentiles, and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet I shall be a little sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. Very nice idea. The Lord is a little sanctuary. Go on. 
Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. I think this is really talking about giving us compassion in our hearts and an insight into truth in our minds. I think that's what the land of Israel means. Go on. And they will go there and they will take away all its detestable things. Oh, they will? And They'll take away all its detestable things? And all its abominations. Oh, there. yes, might as well get the abominations too while you're getting the detestable thing. Honey, could you get the abominations? I'll get the detestable things. Go on. Then I will give them one heart. Oh, one heart. And I will put a new spirit within them. Oh, a new spirit. And take the stony heart out of their flesh and hmm. give them a heart of flesh. I'll take the stony heart out of their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. That they may and walk. And what will happen as a result of that operation, that transplant, what will happen? They may walk in my statutes. Oh, nice emphasis, dear reader. <laughs> and keep my judgments and do them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. There it is. Again, that sense of the reciprocal. You know, you come into that reciprocal thing where he's going to be your God, you'll be his people when we do this. And so partly what it's saying, isn't it, is that by sheer force of our own will and our own lower self, we can't make ourselves be new. We might be able to force this or that to the left or the right or something. We can't do this kind of global new life thing, the total resurrection thing that the Lord is trying to do. We don't know how to be nice. We don't know how to do it. But if the Lord does that, if He gives you a new heart and a new mind, then all of a sudden that they may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. It's almost like you have the, the Lord in you is what will keep the law. You know, if you have the Lord inside you, if you have that compassion, that understanding, then you can follow this and then we'll be His people and He'll be our God. Go on. Verse 21, but, we always have to, have to have a little but in there, right? <laughs> but as for those whose hearts follow the desire for their detestable things and their abominations... Mm. Oh, are you throwing that out? I'd like that. <laughs> I will recompense their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. Yes, you see, these deeds will come back. And not only the deeds, but what Swedenborg describes is the deeds hold these things within them. You know, all of that will come. This is your life. Wasn't there an old TV show back in the day? This is your life. And uh, there's your life. It's your passion, your understanding, your deeds and words. And that will, that's what we'll have after we die. If we don't allow the Lord to do His miracle and replace things on the inside, then that's what we're going to have. That, that's what will come back to us is what we are left to our own devices. Uh, look at Ezekiel 18. Similar teaching. Such it was just one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. We'll just read the last three verses. Start at verse 30 there. Oops. Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the oh, Lord God. Oh, same message. Everyone according to his ways. Repent. And what is, what is the advice here then? Repent. Oh, repent. And turn from all your transgressions so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Good advice, huh? Just turn away from all that stuff so that repentance is so important on our part. And then it says it a different way. 
cast away from you all the transgressions mm. which you have committed and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. Yes, that's right. So in this one, in the one that we just read before, the Lord replaces that. This one says, get yourselves a new heart, a new spirit. But it tells you how to do it. You have to repent. You have to get rid of the junk that's in there now so the Lord can give you something new. And look at Ezekiel 36, if you will. Another just fantastic passage. We'll just go to verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Mm. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. Mm. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Uh -huh. What will happen then? I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Wow, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Like, I'm not sure that under our own steam we can make ourselves obey the Lord. You know, not really we'll do it for hypocritical reasons or whatever, but He can actually make it so that I will cause you to walk in my statute. You know, when, when we have something of the Lord inside us, then He'll make a new, a new life for us. Then we'll be walking in His statutes and... And you will keep my judgments and do them. Mm. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And let me guess. You shall be my people. And... I will be your God. Look at that. There it is again. So that reciprocal thing is going to happen with the Lord. It's like we're not eligible for that reciprocal conjunction or whatever you want to call it until we let the Lord do this thing. We go through repentance and we let Him swap things out then we're eligible for that. So you see that there's something that we have to do to respond to the Lord, and yet we can't do it alone. We can't do it without the Lord. Only the Lord can do the type of major change that we're talking about here, but we have to present ourselves as eligible for that. Could I invite you to go all the way back into uh, the New Testament? Let's go to John chapter 3 real quick. Wouldn't newness of life be another way of saying reborn or regenerated? Aren't those similar things? And in John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes and speaks to Jesus. And Jesus says in 3 verse 3 there. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now let me hit pause there for a second because um, reborn, you, yeah, it's, it's wonderful how Scripture uses these terms. I was thinking also about the term renew, which we'll see in a little bit. Uh, you, can't, you can only be born once. Like you can't, it's logically... It's impossible. I mean, Nicodemus is right, isn't he? You can't be reborn. So what is it talking about? And I was thinking about the fact that, like, if you buy a new car and you drive it off the lot, it instantly loses, like, $8,000 of value or something because it's not a new car anymore. So how long was it new? You know, for seconds while you drove it off the lot, then it's not new anymore. 
Well, you say, well, I would, so take it back to the dealer, say, I would like to renew my car. <laughs> well, your car's only new once, pal. You know, I mean, I can't, you know, it's not new anymore. The whole idea of renew, you can either new or you can re, but you can't <laughs> renew. You know, that's, it just doesn't work that way. So it's fascinating that scripture speaks in terms of renewal and it speaks in terms of being reborn. And what does Jesus say in verse 5 there? Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Oh, go on. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Yes. Okay, so he's talking about a spiritual birth. It's not a rebirth, get back in the womb, do that thing over again. You don't have to do that again. Uh, but there's something that parallels that in the spirit that needs to happen. But what's going to be born this time is something born in the spirit. It's going to be a new, a new thing going on inwardly. Oh, we'll just have to stop there. Let's move on. Let's go back to Romans again, shall we? Go through Acts to the right and go back to Romans chapter 12. Hmm. Oh, let's read verses 1 and 2 there, shall we? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Uh-huh. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's right. You may prove Sorry. what, yes, what that is. Okay. Uh, don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed. Just straightforward. Just be transformed. Right? <laughs> be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Renewing. How would you get a new mind? How, how, how is that going to be renewed? What fascinates me is that the Old Testament talks about repentance and that that's what we need to do. But so does Paul. Paul talks a lot about repentance. Uh, look at 2 Corinthians. So turn to the right and you'll go through 1 Corinthians and get to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. There's so many of these passages. Look at verse 16 there. Just jumping into the middle of a sentence. Therefore we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Oh, day by day. So it's not just sort of a one, you know, just renewed, bang. Yeah, I just renewed that for you. As if you stamped a library book or something. You know, I just renewed your mind. Uh, no, this is, this is being renewed day by day, even as the outward self is perishing. So it's a process that the Lord does of this renewal inwardly. And look at 2 Corinthians 5. Such a wonderful passage here. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Wow, a new... Okay, that's on the scale of the resurrection and the glorification, isn't it? Like, that's... A new creation. A new creation. That's big. A new creation. If you're in Christ... Now, I think what in Christ means is that you have the Lord's, something of the Lord's compassion and the Lord's truth in your mind and heart, then you're a new creation. Go on. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Okay, all things have become new. That's reminiscent of other passages we know well. Uh, old things have passed away. So if we can be, when it says all those reciprocal passages we read about the Lord in us, we in the Lord, that's this condition that we're talking about where you have a new heart and a new mind and then we're a new creation. That's what we need to go through. Oh, and look back at 5 verse 10. I thought that was a striking passage too. For we, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Yeah, isn't that what it's all about? So this walking in newness of life is to go from the bad to the good. You know, how do you, how do you switch that over? We all have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ and we'll receive what we did. Uh, so how do you get a new thing? How do, you, how do you walk in newness of life? Let's turn to the right to Galatians, which is the very next book. Chapter 6, start at verse 12 there. This is about circumcision, which was such a big deal in the early church. They were trying to figure out, are Christians Jews? Do we have to follow the Jewish law? Does that mean we have to get circumcised? Uh, you know, where, or, or is this a new religion and we don't have to? What's the deal there? Go on. As many as desire to make good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Hmm. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised, that they may boast in your flesh. So that, I think, is talking about an external change. You know, that's cleansing the outside of the cup and platter is what it's talking about metaphorically, but not changing the inside. But what does he say? Paul says here. For not... Oh, okay, uh, but God forbid, 14? Yep. Yes, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Mm. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Oh, okay, so you've lowered the bar. No, it's ridiculously much higher than it used to be. It's not a matter of going through some external covenant. Just be entirely recreated. That's what we're talking about. It doesn't really matter what's going on out here. Just be entirely new on the inside. And what does it go on to say? And as many as walk according to this rule. Aha. Uh -huh. It's about your walking. Peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. Okay. And look at Ephesians, which is the very next book, chapter 4. Love to read a whole lot of this. It's really great stuff. But let's go to 4 verse... Um, well, I think we've got to start at 17. It's just too great. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Oh, you mean like instead of walking as the Gentiles walk, that we should walk in newness of life, i.e. change our lives and the way that we're living, and not just to look like it's for show hypocritically on the outside, but really change. So this is how the Gentiles walk. In the, in the futility of their mind, oh. having their understanding darkened. Oh, their understanding. Huh, their understanding is darkened, okay. 
being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Oh, understanding and heart in the very same verse there. Go on. And then it talks about feeling. Who, being past feeling, have given the, themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Isn't this talking about the things that are inside you? Isn't it talking about the passions of your heart and the understanding of your mind? Understanding is darkened. Your passions are unclean. But... But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Very interesting that it grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Yes, isn't that interesting? So you have to put off, and it doesn't say God will do it for you when you're not looking, that you have to put off the old man. This is your old self, you know, the way you used to live. And then what does it say? And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Oh, this is how we get renewed. There it is again. Put off that former conduct, be renewed. So it's not just change your behavior and it doesn't matter what you've got in your mind and heart. It didn't say that. It said change your behavior and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Wow, that's the new creation, isn't it? Going from being unclean and unholy to having the Lord create something in us that's holy and righteous. And if you see down, just glance down the following verses in verse 25, it speaks about putting away lying. Verse 28, don't steal anymore. Verse 29 is about don't have corrupt communication. Verse 31 is about don't be wrathful and anger and evil speaking and malicious and all that. Be tenderhearted. It's all this advice about how to put away that old self and put on, which is, has these corrupt lusts in it, and put on something new. Okay. Uh, oh, just a few more of these magnificent things. Let's turn to the right through Philippians and we'll get to Colossians. So these are all attributed to Paul. He's kind of hammering the idea that you've got to change your life. Isn't he? you really got to change your life. Look at Colossians chapter 3, uh, verse 9. Oh, verse... Oh. Hmm. Okay, let's start at verse 5. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Oh, you see, isn't walked and lived, is very clearly that walked means lived. You used to walk that way in all those bad things. So what do you have to do now? But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, mm. where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. 
Yeah, this is a phrase that, that Swedenborg loves very much and quotes a lot about that all, all and in all. Um, so there you have put on the new man and it's renewed like those things keep coming up together, right? New man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him who created him, keeps referring to that as a creation, what the Lord does within us. All these passages just go together so well. And uh, go through First and Second Thessalonians and First and Second Timothy to the right, and go to Titus. And um, hmm. yeah, I think we got to read the first five verses here. Chapter one. Chapter three. I'm sorry. Chapter three. The first five verses. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Uh-huh. For we ourselves, <clears throat> excuse me, were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Yes. Now, some people think this means you don't have to do anything to be saved. But what it's talking about is this is not self-righteousness. It's not you turning yourself into a little angel or something without the Lord's help. Uh, but according to his mercy, he saved us. But how did he do that saving? Through the washing of regeneration there it is. and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's right. The washing of regeneration and renewing. There's that renewing again. How can that be? How can, how can that be renewed? Uh, wonderful passage. Uh, okay, let's go to uh, Revelation, verse 20, chapter 21 at the very end there. An obvious thing that comes to mind. Let's look at the first five verses of Revelation 21, because I think they're actually about this. Certainly, as it applies to us in our personal lives, think about this. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Mm. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. Mm. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. Let me guess. And they shall be his people. Oh, and let me guess. God himself will be with them and be their okay, God. Okay, there's that reciprocal. It's amazing, isn't it? It's inescapable. Go on. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We heard something similar to that earlier this evening. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Mm. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Mm. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Yes, these words are true and faithful. The Lord is the one who makes everything new. He has the power to renew us. We can sometimes exhaust ourselves trying to you know, change ourselves, what we really need to do is get the evil out of the way so that the Lord can come in and uh, change us from the inside. And uh, so sometimes that can be a, a lonely path of doing that soul searching of repentance, going through temptations. It can feel 
very alone and like the Lord is not with us. Uh, the Lord himself said on the cross, uh, why have you abandoned me or forsaken me? Uh, we can feel when we're going through that process that the Lord has abandoned us, but that is not the case. The final reading I want to do is back in Isaiah. It's actually earlier than anything else we read tonight. If you can go back to Isaiah chapter 62. Just think about, because sometimes we might feel like we want the Lord to change us, but it seems like he doesn't care or he's not getting around to it very quickly, not responding to our prayers, or, and that we just have to do something ourselves, and we, we're not really getting the help that we desire or something. Listen to the passion. Talking about passion, listen to the passion that the Lord expresses in this passage here, starting at 62 verse 1. For Zion's sake, I will not hold my peace. And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not rest until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a lamp that burns. So the Lord is saying, I'm not going to rest until if you give me half an excuse to get in there and make this change. I'm not going to rest until I do this. I'm very fired up about doing this. So don't be thinking that you're all on your own with this. Go on. The Gentiles shall see your righteousness, and all kings your glory. You shall be called by a new name. A new what? A new name. Oh, you'll be called by a new name. Name having to do with the quality. You'll be called by a new name. Which and the, where is that going to come from? Which the mouth of the Lord will name. Ah, so you'll have qualities that are more like the Lord's goodness. It, it never truly becomes your own property or something, but the Lord will bless you with his goodness and with his truth. He'll give you that new name. Go on. You shall also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Mm. You shall no longer be termed forsaken, mm. nor shall your land anymore be termed desolate, but you shall be called Hephzibah and your land Beulah, for the Lord delights in you. Which is what Hephzibah means. Uh, yeah. And your land shall be married. Which is what Beola means. For as a young man marries a virgin, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over mm. you. I have set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. And give, and give him no rest till he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. That's right. Doesn't that kind of convey the sense of the Lord, his urgency? I'm not going to rest. You know, you think you want this. The Lord says, you have not chosen me. I have chosen you. Uh, the Lord is longing to do this makeover on us, and he can really do it. Now, it said there, renewed day by day, didn't it? said the old man is perishing, but the, or the outer, you know, our, our outer self is, is perishing, but the inner self is renewed day by day. This is an ongoing process. So, um, at the end of the year now, it's a time. It's very interesting. There are some passages where Swedenborg talks about the fact that we should do repentance once or twice a year, and that is enough. I just came across another passage where he says, 
that those who have devoted their lives to faith and charity are repenting every day. They're, they're constantly looking out for the evils that are in themselves, uh, taking care that that not manifest in their behavior and their words and deeds and, and, and so on. Uh, it doesn't really matter if you're on the once-a-year plan or all-day-every-day plan. Uh, it's a similar process of self-examination, acknowledging that what you're seeing there is not so great. And the big four to look out for are called in the Ten Commandments, killing, stealing, committing adultery, bearing false witness, you know, lying, that kind of thing. So if you can look for things that smack of those things in, in yourself and lay those aside, then the Lord can come in and he can work all this amazingness, uh, giving us this new heart, this new mind. Uh, so what the Bible calls this newness of life and how we walk in newness of life is not just a matter of changing our behaviors. There is a component of it, of us stopping doing things that we've been doing. Uh, Swedenborg also says that it's very important that we examine. It's a challenging thing. But he says if you, if you want the turbo program, try looking at, just do a thought experiment of if there were somehow circumstances that what you did would never get out. You know, you're on another planet that has no internet or something, and what you did would never get out. He says, examine what you would do if you had no fear that you would lose your job or there'd be a scandal or that it would hit your pocketbook or something like that. If you, if you could get away with it, what would you do? That's really it's not just examining your behavior, but that's going deep into what's in your heart, what's in your mind, to try to catch what you would do if, if the laws and people's opinion was not a factor. Uh, you know, that's a deep kind of repentance. If we can do that kind of repentance and pray the Lord, ask for his help, pray for strength to live without those things and then walk in newness of life, uh, the Lord can then flow in and give us a new heart and a new mind from which we'll be doing new things and saying new things. Uh, that's a new creation. He did it once with the universe. He's not even going to break a sweat doing it for us. He, he can do this. He's, he's got this. All right? So I would wish you, I wish us all some newness of life in the new year. And thank you, friends, for your kind attention. Let's close with a prayer. <laughs> Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we thank you for coming into the world we thank you for the celebration of your birth. We pray for your blessing on this new year. Please give us a little of that newness in our walk. Give us a new heart. Give us a new mind. Give us your compassion, your understanding, so that we may be angels for each other in this world. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, 
as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's keep on repenting, friends, and have a good new year.